Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the AACTE podcast. AACTE, the American Association of Colleges for Teacher Education, is the leading voice on educator preparation. I'm your host, Dr. Lynn Gangone, President and CEO of AACTE. This is the final episode in our first series of our podcast. But don't worry, there are more episodes coming your way. I hope you've enjoyed this first series and have found the stories that we've shared insightful. And hopefully they've sparked a vision for you in whatever role you find yourself in to help revolutionize education and unite districts, schools, and universities to innovate teacher preparation. In today's episode, we're discussing adapting to ever-changing environments. And if you've been around education for any length of time, you know that it is an ever-changing environment. 2020 was a year of change unlike any of us had experienced in education. Due to COVID restrictions and school closures, teachers in training could not go into the classroom for field experiences of any kind. But teacher training had to continue and teacher candidates still had to be evaluated and supported through their field experience. How can educator preparation programs provide teacher candidates field experience during a pandemic, much less evaluate teacher performance? In this episode, Dr. Tara Mathian, Clinical Assistant Professor of Early Childhood Studies from the University of Florida, shares with us the adaptations their teacher prep program made throughout this past year and how it felt disruptive at the moment, but led to lasting change that they will continue to implement in the future. The setting for our case story today is a large land-grant institution. The program is in a seven-semester cohort model. It begins with the junior year and culminates with one year of a master's degree. The students receive a bachelor's degree in special education. And then, as I said, they go on to the master's year in which they receive their degree in early childhood education. When they're done, they are eligible for two State of Florida teaching certificates. So the preschool birth to age four and preschool primary, which is age three to grade three certification. They also have two certificate endorsements in which they're eligible for, and that's preschool ESE and the ESOL endorsement. So we'll talk a little bit first to frame the context in which our traditional program runs. That way, it might be easier to understand all of the changes that occurred in light of what the students were used to and what the faculty were faced with as far as how we had to implement changes and where exactly in the program we had to implement those changes from traditional to then what had to be done as a result of the very rapid shift that we all faced. So in the traditional program, we have a full-time face-to-face internship in which the students are placed in local public schools from pre-K to third grade classrooms. We do utilize the practice-based coaching framework 
we implement that as our support model for our students and their observation experiences and implementation of their teaching practices. We utilize supervisors to support the students in their field experiences in-person field observations. So they complete typically five observations. They go into the classrooms, they observe the students, and then they're immediately followed up with a debrief meeting. We also have students demonstrate their progress toward the Florida Educator Accomplished Practices, or we'll call them the FEEPS. And we have weekly group. So all of the students that are completing their internship complete an in-person seminar meeting. And so they come back to campus all together. We meet and we talk about how their experiences are going. We dive more deeply into the FEEPS, into teaching practices. We troubleshoot. So again, these are the elements of our traditional program as it relates to their internship experience. As we all know, things changed. So I'll go through those changes and what those looked like. So in our field experience expectation, the first being internship, students participate in planning and implementation and assessment of the curricular components of that classroom that they're placed in. They are in charge of planning for and conducting the transitions of the classroom, the daily schedule, the classroom management, all of those pieces. And eventually they're taking over the planning, implementing all of the lessons for the classroom completely until they move and shift back to the teacher of the classroom, taking back over upon the kind of tail end of their internship there. So the practice-based coaching framework that we use, it's an effective strategy. It's a research-informed approach to supporting practitioners in early childhood education, including pre-service teachers. It allows us to provide support to students as they implement evidence-based teaching practices with fidelity. So it's composed of three components. It's goal-setting and action-planning including a strengths and needs assessment. So our students complete on their own their ideas of what they feel really confident with, what they feel that they are perhaps weak in or they're challenged by. Using that then as the strengths and needs assessment, we set goals together with their supervisor that the students want to work on and they want to get better at and they want to get feedback on. So with the focused observation, the supervisor goes in, observes the students, provides constructive feedback, supportive feedback as well, and collects data on the student's implementation of the practice. There's also a major reflective component of this in which the student is reflecting on his or her progress based on data that was collected, based on the debrief meeting, based on the feedback that they have been given. And it's a continuous cycle of improvement and implementation of our evidence-based teaching practices. It is implemented within a collaborative coaching partnership. So it's very much based on the student being the driver and 
the student having a say and what they really want to work on, what's important to them and how it's going and the support that they need. The supervisor then works with that student to support that relationship with the supervisor support. Students are observed about five times through the internship. Of course, that is a little bit loose because if a student requests another observation, they absolutely can have that. If an observation doesn't go well and the supervisor says, you know what, let's do something else. Let's observe again so that I can give you more feedback. That's absolutely something that can happen as well. So we say five as a rough estimate, knowing that we kind of build off of what we need to do to support that student. Supervisors visit classrooms and observe in person. Data is collected on fidelity of implementation of the action plan goal. So I'll share an example of an action plan goal in a little while here. Supervisors and students debrief in person immediately after their observations. So demonstration of the FEEPs. The FEEPs are the Florida Educator Accomplished Practices that students all need to demonstrate and show that they have met adequate progress toward that in order to finish their program and to become certified at the end of the program. So students write and implement lesson plans that allow for demonstration of progress toward the FEEPs. Throughout the PBC process, the practice-based coaching, the FEEPs are aligned with evidence-based teaching practices. So we took those FEEPs We went through and identified evidence-based teaching practices known for early childhood settings, again, that pre-K through third grade, and identified specific observable practices that we could align to those FEEPs so that the supervisors were all on the same page and all could implement this process with fidelity. There is ongoing data collection by the pre-service teacher as well as the supervisor to monitor and evaluate the implementation of those practices. And then we have our in-person group seminars that the students come back to campus, they're back together in the group setting and talking about their internship experience and how it was going and celebrating the highs and talking through the lows and supporting one another. So interns as well as supervisors come together with the faculty instructor for weekly in-person seminar meetings. And that's really important that we get everybody together. We're all supporting one another and it's everybody on that team. It's a great setting. We share data collection, action plan goal progress, ongoing support needed, ongoing successes and issues that they might have had that week as far as their data collection or not being sure how to implement something. And we just dive more deeply into the teaching practices in that way. So it's really organically guided by the students every week. We don't plan very far ahead because one week we might realize we need to focus on something else the following week. So we really let it that be guided by the students. So then here was the problem. That was our traditional program. Then we had the COVID-19 impact. How would we continue to meet the requirements of an educator preparation program while shifting to remote instruction and adhering to COVID-19 safety guidelines? So all of those five field experience expectations that I just shared with you, how are we going to do that? How were we going to do that faced with the COVID-19 disruptions? So let's dive in a little bit about what we quickly decided to do 
and what worked, what didn't, what were our challenges, and what might we actually keep? What are the lessons learned from this situation? So mentor-teacher changes, they moved some of them to digital. So perhaps they had a mentor-teacher that they thought was going to be face-to-face in a first-grade classroom. Then they found out, oh, my teacher was now assigned to be a digital classroom teacher. So that was some things that they faced. Some of them changed uh, grade levels. They thought that they might be in a third-grade classroom, and now the teacher was pulled to kindergarten at the very last minute. So things with mentor-teacher changes, their interim placement changes coincided with the mentor-teacher changes. So if they were assigned face-to-face or brick-and-mortar, some of them were assigned digital. Some of them were assigned what was called high-flex here, in which some students in their classrooms would be choosing to be on Zoom or another online platform while other students were in the classroom. So they had to kind of live that dual life for a while. And then some had completely new mentors at the very last minute because mentors, a few, decided this is just too much. I can't take on an intern with all of this going on, which understandably so. So there were a lot of changes that they faced before they even began their internship. Supervision changes also had to occur. So as you heard in our traditional setting, the supervisors go into the school classrooms and observe our students. And they meet, they have a debrief right afterward. This change made it so that no supervisors were allowed on school campuses or in the virtual environments. That means that we had to figure out how are we going to have these students observed How are we going to give them supportive feedback and constructive feedback and talk about the implementation of their practices toward the FEEPs when they weren't allowed on campus? And then COVID exposure changes also occurred for each and every one of these students. The students were faced with classroom shutdowns because of exposures, quarantine requirements. So perhaps a student was exposed, so they themselves had to quarantine or the entire classroom had somehow been exposed and classrooms had to shut down in the middle of internship. Technology access was always a problem for these students as well as far as logging on during quarantine. Some of them continued with distant instruction in their classrooms. Other classrooms did not have that capability. And so during quarantine, it was a complete shutdown. Seminar meetings also, as I said, the students usually come back to campus and we have this really great group of people that come together and support them. That couldn't happen, right? So we had to shift to Zoom. We had to have group group weekly meetings on Zoom with all of those people as well. So let's talk a little bit then about the impact of these disruptions on the students and then also on the support in which we could give to the students. So the impact of these, we using technology-based resources was a huge undertaking for all of us, I'm sure. Also something that we absolutely had to rely on in order to make sure the internship and these supportive experiences could still occur in the educator preparation program and still make sure that our students were getting those experiences that they were prepared that they were demonstrating progress, we had to embrace technology. 
So we utilized a couple of different platforms. Like many people, we utilized Zoom quite a bit as far as our weekly seminar delivery was concerned. We also used a program called GoReact. And what was really helpful for us is that we had actually started using GoReact the year before to see how it was going to go, just to kind of see what would come about students perhaps recording some of their lessons and putting it onto this GoReact platform in which you could give feedback to students, timestamp their recordings, they could add comments to it, you can attach files. So we had actually started using that, which looking back and reflecting on that was a really helpful choice that we had made that really lent itself to this distant shift that we were facing. So what we decided to do was had students record and upload their lessons on GoReact, remembering that supervisors were not allowed into the classrooms to observe in person. This was our workaround to allow them to continue to be observed and get that feedback that they needed. We shifted from the five that we typically require as far as observations for our students and each one of them received four instead. We were able to observe four times. The fifth didn't work out for any of the students, mainly because of those COVID-related disruptions as far as quarantining were concerned. So just not having as much time in the internship placement because we started late. There was a delay start in our semester, as well as students being quarantined at various times. We dropped one of the observations as a result of that. Also, because of the technology, it was really important that we had students that were going to be on camera, both our students and the classroom students, sign for a media release. So we had consents for everyone before we ever watched any videos. So there were a lot of conversations between the mentor teachers, the the families in the classrooms, and et cetera, before we could actually even begin the process of, of recording and that kind of thing. So the second would be the student demonstration of competencies. So how were we going to address that? What were we going to do in order to make sure that our students were still meeting reasonable expectations for showing that they were being able to meet those FEEPs, the competencies for the teaching profession in which they were planning to be a part of the following year? So we utilized previous student exemplars We had started using this GoReact program the year prior. As a result, we had a little, a small bank of previous student lessons pre-recorded in the classrooms with all of the ages in which we were using for our current interns. And that served very, very nicely and actually was a great resource for our students during seminar to be able to watch those exemplars. We ended up shifting assignments and turning some of that into the students watching the previous exemplars and having to identify teaching practices, give constructive feedback, supportive feedback, reflect on what they were seeing. So that way, it was still an opportunity for us as faculty to be able to assess 
were the students able to identify practices? Were they able to make judgments on what they would do instead, make informed decisions for the students that they were seeing in those exemplars? So that was one way in which the students demonstrated competencies, even though they might not have been in the internship setting. We were sharing resources and videos found online to highlight and identify practices. So we had the supervisors looking online for different resources that would be helpful. We created a databank of the FEEPS practices online. And it was sort of like an online repository where we would just add... We had folders for each of the FEEPS and we would add videos to each of them and resources so that we all had shared access when it came time to needing to support our students that were struggling, that weren't getting as much experience with certain aspects in the classroom because of these COVID disruptions, we could all go and check those resources and pull those specific individualized supports for each of our students that way. And we also had peer review demonstration lessons and seminars. So we just pulled out the we are going to practice in our living rooms or in our bedrooms or wherever the students were. We utilized Zoom and the students would practice lessons in front of the camera for their peers. And it it provided an opportunity for their peers to provide feedback to them, to make recommendations. It still gave them a chance to practice some of these teaching skills that they were not getting as much in terms of FaceTime with real students in order to do that. So we had them do practice lessons during our weekly seminars. And then third, we've got our PBC implementation and support modification. So we definitely had to modify some of those components that we typically had in our traditional program. Supervisor flexibility and scheduling needs was a nightmare. So as many of you watching this might be able to share that feeling that it felt every time we turned around, a student was having to quarantine or a classroom was being shut down. It made it very difficult to schedule observations. It made it very difficult to keep on track with the timeline and what needed to be done. So we needed to pull together the supervisors and talk about the increased need for flexibility, the increased need for what we needed to schedule and how we could work around everyone's competing needs in that space. We also had to talk about individualized and timely feedback that they were giving to the students. It had to be done via Zoom. So the supervisors would watch the recorded lessons that the students would post. And we still wanted to be sure that we were maintaining that very quick turnaround of giving them their feedback. So if you might recall in our traditional model, the students were given a debrief time immediately after their lesson. And so that often couldn't happen Well, it never could happen when the students were recording a lesson. So they had to record their lesson, wait until they get home, upload their video, 
So therein lies already several hours that would have to go by before a supervisor could watch a video. But we really tried to keep with debrief times being given within 36 hours of their lesson. So they would schedule a Zoom time with their supervisor and have a debrief within that time frame, so that it still maintained some sort of immediacy as far as that feedback went so that it could really be useful and impactful for the students' growth. One of the other pieces that was difficult as far as the feedback for supervisors go is that limited observational lens without the context of the classroom environment, not being able to be there and hear everything and see everything and have a relationship with that classroom themselves, it became a little difficult for the supervisors to really give feedback that encompassed everything that the students were feeling. So what did we do? The student support and action to address those things. So students identified strengths and needs at the beginning of their internship, which I explained before, they chose one goal to include in their action plan to begin with. They did pre-recorded lessons of their goal implementation, distant observation and data collection for fidelity was done by their supervisors. They were given supportive and constructive-based feedback during their debriefs on Zoom by their supervisors. They determined then if their goal was met or if they were going to continue because they still needed some work on that. If their goal was met, then they would choose a new goal to work on for the next observation cycle. And if not, they would continue to work on that same goal. Resources were provided by the supervisor that I talked about a little bit before that data bank that we had. The supervisors would pull specific resources that had to do with the goal that that student had chosen so that the student could then have a little bit more in-depth look at those practices. uh, And then we would also go through them in seminar as well. And they repeated that cycle. So that same, all of those things happened for four times, a four observation cycle over internship. So as much as we had to shift and rethink what would this look like, reduce observation time, go to Zoom for debrief meetings, go to Zoom for weekly meetings, and have the students upload recorded lessons, get feedback that way. We still were able to maintain a system of support, a system of feedback, a system of the practice-based coaching framework that still worked. Not ideal, right? Ideal would be our traditional program, but it still worked. We were able to figure out, despite these disruptions, we can still maintain some of these things in order for students to demonstrate their competency. So I keep talking about what students would be working on and evidence-based teaching practices that they would be working on. And so what might that look like? So this was actually one of the goals from one of the students. And so her goal was, I will ask how or why questions during whole group or small group math or reading at least two or more times per lesson, three days per week for two consecutive weeks. That then provided a very specific goal, a very specific implementation plan 
so that the supervisor and the student could come together during debrief meetings to talk about, did you meet all of those requirements and specifications in your goal? If not, perhaps we need to adjust. We need to keep working on this and support you in that endeavor. So students would work on their goal. So for instance, the one student worked on this, they would collect data on implementation. They would have their supervisors observe their implementation. So they would record their lessons. The supervisor would look specifically for this teaching practice to be implemented. And they would receive feedback until that goal would be met. Then a new goal would be established based on a different FEEPS-based teaching practice. So the faculty on the backside said, okay, these are the shifts that we need to make. This is how we're still going to maintain integrity of our program and make sure that the students are provided these experiences in which they can really feel prepared and demonstrate their competencies. But the part we needed to look at was, do the students feel prepared? How do the students feel supported? So we did survey the students at the end of their experience to get a little bit more feedback as far as what they struggled with or what they agreed with or or what worked, right, to help us inform the future. 10 out of 10 of our participants responded agree or strongly agree to, I received a sufficient number of supervision sessions to enhance my implementation of teaching practices this semester. So if you recall, we went down from five to four observations and all of the students agreed that it was still enough, it was sufficient for them. So we knew that was one of the fears that we had that they didn't receive enough support, but they responded that they had. Nine out of 10 of them reported four supervision sessions were ideal with two students stating that more would have been helpful. So again, we went down. They said that they received the sessions to enhance their implementation, but a few of them just really kind of wanted more. They wished that they had, as that student shared, more of an in-class presence, more of an opportunity for the supervisor to get a feel for that classroom and really get a little bit more into the feedback as far as perhaps the classroom dynamics and things like that were concerned. So we learned a lot of lessons. COVID continues to teach us lessons. And we're using the opportunity of the disruption to all of our teacher education programs and educator preparation in general it's really important that we take this information and and really not just move on and go back to business as usual, but really reflect on what was this experience like? How did we have to shift? What did we do that worked? More student voice is needed, right? We need to really hear from them what worked for them. What did they struggle with? What did they prefer? So our lessons specifically, technology, creativity, and flexibility are absolutely crucial. And so I think a lot of us already know that, you know, as teachers, we have to be flexible. But the other thing that we really, I think, 
need to think about is how can we use technology to leverage experiences for students and think creatively about how they are able to demonstrate competencies in the future. So this leads me into the competencies that can be demonstrated and applied in non-traditional field experience placements. So as I said, we utilized a few different ways in which to do this so that we kept our students on track with their learning, their growth, their skill development. And they were still able to demonstrate their competencies. They were able to record their own lessons and show us what they were doing in the classroom, even though our supervisors could not be there. They were able to see previous student exemplars in which they could identify, name, label these teaching practices that we were showing them. And they were also able to practice lessons in their seminar with their peers so that they could still demonstrate competencies and they could review their own recorded lessons, which we heard from the students were actually surprisingly impactful for them. Ongoing reflection and evaluation of support from the student perspective is very crucial. It's definitely a lesson that we learned that we will continue to use. We did various check-ins throughout the semester in both formal and informal ways. So we would start off the group seminar meetings with a check-in question. How is everybody doing? Let's take the first 10 minutes to just, how are we doing? Let's check in. What do you need more of? How can we support you more? What are you struggling with? So just giving them that space at the beginning of each seminar was really important. I also created a couple of Google Forms that the students would just fill in so they could do it anonymously. And it just had questions about, you know, how was it going? What kinds of support did they feel they still needed? Were certain things on Zoom helpful to them or not helpful? And so they could give me their opinions that way too. We did a survey at the end, which I shared some of those results from. And then end of semester questionnaires about their experiences in general were just really important to compile all of their experiences in you know summative and and formative ways so that we could move on and and continue to grow and evolve what was happening during the fall semester. PBC was effective. We learned that even with the changes, it was effective in supporting the students' skill development and preparation. All of the students came out of internship feeling prepared. All of the students were able to still receive the supportive components that PBC has. And we implemented those in slightly different, flexible, and creative ways. So we had unexpected successes in an unideal situation. We had revisions to our traditional field experiences, things that we identified as successes and were planning to keep, which some surprised us, right? So student video recordings will stay. We plan to continue to have students record their own lessons and upload those for their own growth for supervisor feedback for using the GoReact program and they can give time-stamped feedback that students can then go back and watch. You can't 
it's kind of hard to do that when when you're using your memory to think about what did I do during that lesson and what is my supervisor saying. That being said, we we definitely will value the supervisor support in the classroom as well. We we know that that's important. So we're thinking about some type of hybrid support. So perhaps a mix of in-person and recorded lesson support going into the future. So providing multi-leveled support with timestamp feedback, the ability to review the comments at later times, but then also having that in-person where the supervisor is able to go in, see the classroom, feel the classroom, talk with the student immediately afterward. There's value in all of those things. We are going to continue the database of recorded lessons from past students to use as an additional resource for the up-and-coming cohorts that we have. So continuing to grow those video exemplars and being able to show those to up-and-coming cohorts, to students when we want to highlight different observational practices, beeps, different types of competencies that we'd like to show to the students. We're also considering hybrid seminar meetings, traditional. We met every week on campus. Students sometimes had a challenge of leaving their internship that they had been in all day long and coming to campus on time, finding parking, you know, all of those struggles. So they ended up kind of appreciating being able to just be where they were, whether that was in their classrooms, if they were in a brick and mortar internship, or if they were home on Zoom you know, it just alleviated a little bit of stress. So we're thinking about hybrid seminars when perhaps one week we might do digital on Zoom meeting and then perhaps the following week when we want to do small group discussions and things like that in the future when that comes back into play and into our practice, we would meet on campus or when we've got guest lecturers and speakers and things like that. The last being strengthening our PBC implementation via student input. So we received such valuable and rich feedback from the students this past semester that we're looking at what does that mean for the framework as far as how we implement it and what we do is in the support aspect and in those observational cycles that the students really responded well to or would like to see some changes. So we'll, we'll take all of that into consideration when we are looking at our program for the coming semester. So that was our story. It came with a lot of challenges, just like everybody else with these disruptions. And what were we going to do facing the, the road that we didn't know where it was going to lead? We decided on changes that we would make, implemented them, several check-ins, several opportunities for us to think along the course of time, is this working, is it not, getting that student feedback, and then now being able to sit and say, okay, this is what worked and this is what didn't. Knowing that we're still faced with it this spring semester and still growing, still making these informed decisions as far as how this will impact our educator preparation program. It's an ongoing process and it doesn't end. We were continuing to take into consideration these things and, and evolve. 
Thanks for joining us for this episode of the AACTE podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Revolutionizing Education and our annual conference, please visit our website at aacte.org. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at AACTE. There are more episodes coming your way, so be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any new episodes. We hope you'll join us again next time.